This is April 27th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Uh, it has been a, a weird week for the Bruins. They were on a high for a bit and they've lost two in a row. Uh, and that is not, uh, that has gotten everyone kind of back into, okay, uh, this team might not, uh, be, you know, go undefeated the rest of the way, but, uh, it's opened our eyes to some stuff. Um, and this week, uh, Connor Ryan is not on. I decided to say, Connor, go give your vocal cords a rest. You're on a crazy Bruins beat streak. Let's um, let's give the, that, that that amazing voice of yours a rest. Uh, so I had on DJ Bean this week. I love having DJ on um, of NBC Sports Boss, and it's always fun to kind of get his perspective on how things are, are happening. So we discussed a lot of stuff with the deadline, uh, Taylor Hall, uh, you know, the future of those guys in Boston. Are they going to be signed long term? Are they you know, what's their deal going to be going forward? And we get into the future of the team a lot. You know, I mean, the future David Krejci, the future Tuka Rask. We discussed Jeremy Swayman a lot. You know, is there a legitimate case for Swayman to play more the rest of the year? To not just play more, but take over the starting job. So we get into all the, that, uh, all those debates, all those discussions in this episode. It was always, it, it was, it was a good episode. This was fun. Um, so we get into all that. Uh, and that will be in one second. First, though, bet online is still the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at bet online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. There was a lot of that this weekend. Hopefully, you bet on it. And if you didn't, you can use bet online for it. Um, also, the Red Sox doing really well. Uh, so that's a, maybe you want to place your bet. On them right about now. Um, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on those sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It's funny, this, this, this you know, on almost anything you can imagine. It is true. I go on there a lot and I see all the crazy stuff you can bet on. And I'm like, holy crap, you can bet on absolutely anything. My friends were even surprised. I've turned my friends on to bet online in the past year and they love all the things you can do on it. So go there again, promo code CLMS50 to get that 50% welcome bonus. So without further ado, here's my conversation with DJ Bean. <laughs> And we're here with DJ Bean. DJ, what is up? Oh boy, what isn't up? What exciting times. We got sports going on, NFL draft coming up, hockey playoffs around the corner. Everything. That was such a lame generic answer, but I'm a lame generic guy. That's not true. But it's it's what you said though is is right. You got all those things. And the greatest part is you think back to this time last year. And we had none of those things. And now it's so much. There's so much all the time. And last year oh, we yeah. just had None of it. So that's why you, it, it is, I, I get annoyed when the Bruins get pushed to Nesson Plus. I get annoyed when I can't follow everything. I can't follow what the Red Sox are doing because the Bruins are playing. I can't follow the Celtics because the Red Sox are playing. But 
it's I I will never take it for granted. At least for now, I'll take it for granted in like a year. I won't take it for granted now though. Yeah, I was doing the when everything came back last year and they had the bubbles. I was doing two TVs in the living room and just really making a, a mess of my place. And this year I'm finding it really frustrating that I'm not doing that, but I just don't want to. I, I, I don't want to have a million TVs and a million screens in my face, but I am missing something at all times now. Like sometimes I'll fire up if like the Bruins and Celtics are on same time. I'll put one on the laptop or something, but yeah, man, we got it all right now. See, I, 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 this is an old, uh, an old saying, but if you know, it's a cliche. If you're watching two games, you're really watching none. So it's tough because I, thousand percent. I, I, if I'm watching, if I have to do, when, I, when it's Bruins, I always just watch Bruins. I don't ever really watch it because I have to, I have to actually like intently watch it. But if it's Red Sox and Celtics and I'm watching both, I'm really not intently watching either. It's, you're it's just, a thousand percent right. We'll do, we'll be on after games all the time. We're like, all right, Bruins play tonight. We'll talk about the Bruins afterwards. Or Celtics play night. We'll talk about it afterwards. And if there's multiple games going on, we're talking about all those things. And I'll fire up all of them and try to watch them all at the same time. And I didn't retain or pick up a single freaking thing. No, not a thing. Nope. I can't do it. And and then I see Twitter reacting because sometimes I'm just like, I need a break from everything. So I'll be, you know, watching Netflix or playing Xbox or like with my friends. And I look at Twitter and I'm like, damn, I'm missing something right now, aren't right. I? But that's the nature of the thing. But one thing you did pick up, one thing you did pick up is everyone knows you covered the Bruins for many years. You still cover the Bruins, obviously, but now with NBC, yeah. you do other things. You do Kinda. other things, yeah. but, but you, do, do. you do Bruins. You, yeah. you do you know, a lot of things. By the way, congratulations on uh, on the podcast getting moved uh, to, yeah. uh, to the new media place. Good for you. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, Wash Media. Shout out those guys. They are a, uh, they're a freaking party. Yeah, brunch uh, has a new home, which is very nice. Uh, but so aside from that, back to Bruins. Uh, you did watch the Bruins enough to pick up a little uh, a takeaway, and this is a big thing for you because because and we both said this last year. We didn't think the Bruins were as good as they were when they were the best team in hockey. We thought this is kind of weird. They're not real. They just have a good power play. The first line scores a lot. Good goaltending. Good defense. But after that, what do you really have? Um, but this year, you said something different. Because I, I want to first, I, I will, we'll, I want to discuss this though, because you, 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 you write, surging Bruins are paper tigers no more. And you said, I've heard this a few times over the past following a Bruins win. God, I love this team. Eh, maybe doing the moment, but this season you haven't. And you're right. For most of the season, this was a, not a great team. This was a team that, that looked to be kind of not really there. They might sneak into the playoffs. I'm thinking like 2016, 17 Bruins vibes, you know, they'll sneak in. They won't do much damage, but then the deadline happened and they aren't those paper tigers anymore. Why? Well, first of all, I'll say it's the stupidest take in the world because they've gone two and two since, and three of those games were against Buffalo. So nice column DJ. Uh, but you, you kind of misleading. That's so misleading. They went two and one against Buffalo. I, you make it sound as if, and by the way, you're right. They have kind of stunk sets, but two, three, that is a nice way to frame the argument. I like that. That's experience right there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you said it. I didn't believe in the team last year. You didn't really believe in the team last year. I didn't believe in the team this year. I mean, we saw what happened last year and you saw what happened in the off season. Why would you possibly believe in the team this year and believe? the definition is going to vary from person to person, right? Like you say, do you believe in this year's team? I thought they were going to make the playoffs. I just didn't think they were going to be great. And 
I didn't think last year's team, when it was winning the President's Trophy, was great. So I didn't think they were going to be a real cup contender. And I still don't necessarily think they are, but I think they're they're worth taking seriously. Where last year, even in the regular season, I was like, we know what's going to happen. They're going to run into Tampa and they're going to get smoked. And obviously the circumstances ended up being different given the pandemic, given Tuca opting out, but kind of we got what we thought was going to happen just in a very, very different way. I wasn't super confident in them this year. And you you mentioned like the 2016-17 team, like those early Sweeney years where he would do a little something at the trade deadline and slightly improve a not very good team. You're like, okay, they're going to make the playoffs, but what are they going to do? Similar circumstances this year, except the trade deadline was just so much better where they were able to get good players for very cheap, where they didn't spend so much that you're like, what are you investing in this team for, dude? You can't like you can't burn first round picks when you stink at drafting. They didn't have to do that. It was the best of both worlds. They got good players. They didn't spend much. Then you can reevaluate and say, okay, now they've got a second line. Hall is going to be better with Krejci. That's going to reinvigorate Craig Smith, who is already playing well. Curtis Lazar, I think, is a very underrated acquisition. I won't say underrated because Bruins fans are so freaking horny for the guy, but they should be. I'll say that the need at fourth line center was an underrated need and one that I probably wouldn't expect them to address. I think they would be within their within their rights to say, Sean Corrales is a good player, which I really think he is. He's just having a bad year and he's good in the playoffs. So don't worry about this. The fourth line is going to figure itself out. And that can be one of the many ifs going into the playoffs where if this clicks, okay, they'll be good. But instead, no, they went and they get Lazar in that hall deal. And now their fourth line looks good. They have three good lines. Still have no idea what the hell is going on with Charlie Coyle and those guys on the third line. But all right, now you're cooking. You don't just have one line. You have three good lines. Mike Riley badly helps the defense, especially with guys that have been in and out. They look kind of okay on defense now. And obviously the goaltending, assuming it's Rask, but maybe it's Swayman, is really good. So now you've actually got the makings of something. So I believe in this team a lot more than I thought I would. Although we saw the other night, this was the first time I checked that take. Um, Friday night, Year Patrice Bergeron's not playing tonight, so Charlie Coyle's going to center the first line. Oh, and the, God. the first thought is, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> and you think they'll probably beat the Sabres, but you're like, okay, how will this look? And that is the reminder that they're not home free. They're still very much teetering on having a lot of issues. And obviously missing <laughs> Patrice Bergeron, one of your best players, is going to hurt any team. But you look at the domino effect there where – Okay, well, if you have to ask a lot more of Charlie Coyle in any instance this season, you're probably not going anywhere. Well, the other thing is I think it comes down to health, whether or not they're real health health contenders, whether they're real cup contenders. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if, if at full health, at full health with that lineup, if you want to include Kosh in it, I don't know if he fits into it really. Maybe he's sure don't. on the third line. But I don't think he's coming back. He Kosh is probably done. Um, but if you can get Brandon Carlo back, you know, your top four is good. It's Grizzlick. McAvoy, Carlo, Riley. That's a solid top four. Is it uh, better than last year? It's debatable. You know, Krug was good. Chara obviously, you know, was slower, but he held his own. He could face other teams' top lines. So, but you still have a top four there. And, you know, again, you, your forwards have been relatively healthy um, this entire season. 
The other thing I think is important to note with that third line, because I know that's pissing a lot of people off right now, <laughs> as it should, um, is yes, as Charlie Coyle is inconsistent. You know, we, we know that he's not producing up to, to the level that the Bruins need him at, especially at the money he's making as the potential second line center of the future, which how you feeling about that now? Um, but you really look at it and they're not exactly setting him up to succeed though, because you basically took the two wingers who David Krejci couldn't even really get going and stuck him down with Coyle, who's way more inconsistent than David Krejci and said, here, have this. And Remember when you signed Craig Smith and said, oh, he'll play next to Coyle. He'll be that third line right winger. That didn't really pan out, did it? Now, again, you you reap the benefits of that on the second line. But for a guy like Charlie Coyle, who is good when he has people next to him who are consistent, uh, Nick Ritchie and Jake DeBrusque are far, uh, are far from that. So I do think that there is a little bit of evaluation that needs to happen with this third line where it's like you basically just took the scraps from the second line, threw them down to the third line. Now, that's on Nick Ritchie and Jake DeBrusque. Like Nick Ritchie, by the way, has been producing. He, I, I don't think he's been like a bust. Jake DeBrusque, though. Actually, you want to talk about a bad take? I don't know if you knew this. I picked Jake DeBrusque to be the leading goal scorer on the Bruins this year. Now that's Ooh. a, that's a bad take. That's a that, take check. That 29, those 29 a few years ago were very, uh, very hollow. Yes. Like, great, great season, but. Not a, okay, he's going to be a 30 goal scorer now. It's a, he might be a 30 goal scorer now thing where it's tough to sign him to a contract. It's a good thing you did it during a pandemic where prices were going to be low. So you didn't get locked into something crazy, but you're absolutely right in the third line, man. That is, I think I said at the time, I was like, the third line is just going to be the Isle and the Misfit toys right now, which yeah. it is. And when you're a team that doesn't have depth on the wings, that's going to happen. Like you, you say you're happy with Nick Ritchie. He's been a pleasant surprise. Has he been very good? No, no, but Nick Ritchie isn't very good. He's something where, all right, if you got a good third line center, hopefully he can be a solid bottom six wing. Instead, you were asking a lot of him this season, and at points he produced and at points he didn't. But again, that's Nick Ritchie. We're not talking about uh, a world beater here. And as for DeBrusque, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I got a soft spot for the Bruins, but like, I don't get mad at, players when they're bad I get bummed for them like the way I just talked about Sean Corrali like I'm upset that he's having a bad season because he's been such a good player and he's been rightfully rightfully so he's been a fan favorite and every time I hear Bruce Cassidy throw shade at him which is seemingly all the time even that was was the the um even when he got uh when he got hit by uh by Tom Wilson, Wilson Yeah, in the post game, Cassidy's like, "Yeah, I didn't think that was a bad hit." I'm like, "Oh man, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, like this kid can't catch a break." But I, I'm, I'm thoroughly bummed for Jake DeBrusque. I want him to be doing well, and obviously, Bruins fans want him to be doing well. But it's been such a frustrating couple of years. But at this point, you kind of shouldn't be surprised. Well, the other thing is, I think, and this was my whole thing with the deadline with, with DeBrusque and trading him, is like, you know that if he goes to another team, he's scoring 30 goals. Like you Wheeler. know that yeah. if he goes to Nashville, he's going to light it up there. Like he just, he is. And we're going to sit here and go, look at, look at what Jake DeBrusque is doing down there. Look at, look at, look at, look at all the points he's putting up. Um, cause you know, that's just what happens to the Bruins. So yeah. that was why I, I wasn't a huge proponent of like, Hey, trade DeBrusque. Um, but it's funny. You look at the deadline and I just, I just wrote down what you gave up. If you just looked at what the Bruins gave up a second, a third and Anders Bjork, 
you would think they probably got a 2016, 17, early Sweeney years type return yes. for what they what they gave up. You know, I don't know, like Lee Stepniak, but you're getting a player on par with that. You know, maybe a Bobby Ryan or something like that. I mean, I don't that, that's a lot for Bobby Ryan, but someone along those lines. And to think you got Taylor Hall, so you solidified your top six. You got Mike Riley, who's been, as you said, hugely important in producing chances, uh, five on five production. Uh, primary assists, secondary assists, and you get Curtis Lazar, who rounds out your fourth line, maybe even jumps up to the third as he did Sunday when Cassidy flip flopped him and Nick Ritchie and then basically eviscerated them post game. Um, you, you do like, damn, that's Sweeney's best deadline ever, I think by far. No, definitely. Um, but no, and by the way, no matter, and I said this before, no matter what the Bruins do, they could miss the playoffs. And it's still like, that's still his best deadline because you didn't give up much future. Exactly. It's, it's not upsetting. You, you, you so, can't be mad at this traded line, even though sometimes no, Don you, does think it trades. You, you were at the beginning when this first happened, if I remember correctly on Twitter, you were not was, happy with this. I was fucking annoyed is what I was. Okay. Why? It, because the, the Taylor Hall conversation, man, it, it always drives me crazy. I never got why everybody hates Taylor Hall, but seemingly not everybody, but seemingly a lot of people in the NHL do. My limited deal back when I covered hockey, my limited dealings with Taylor Hall made me think extremely highly of him. He seems like an awesome dude, but people don't want to hear that the NHL doesn't like Taylor Hall as much as hockey Twitter does. And people get so mad and I'm like, it's, it's a fat every time he gets moved. Okay. So the trade is one for one. Obviously that's a famous one. And everyone's yes. like, Oilers, <laughs> Shirelli, haha, so stupid. But I, I remember hearing for like a year before he got traded, like if he ever gets traded, you'll be surprised by how little he goes for because teams think this about him. Teams think that about him. They, uh, a big thing with him was they thought that he put like kind of Jimmy Garoppolo esque that like he puts himself in position to get blown up a lot. So maybe, so like there's, there might be health issues there, whatever it may be. But for whatever reason, and you could say that they're valid or not valid, stonks were never super high on Taylor Hall after a few years in the league, which I, as a viewer, observer, thought was crazy. But eventually, you you just can't deny the fact. Again, you, you can disagree with teams and GMs not thinking that highly of Taylor Hall. But the proof is in the pudding. Every time he gets moved, so he gets moved for Adam Larson, and that's a terrible trade anyway, but, but even so, everyone's like, wow, he got moved for that little. When he gets moved to Arizona, it's like, wow, was, I, I forget, was, was there not a, like, it was a conditional first round pick, right? I believe but, it was. Right. But so you think, you're thinking, okay, it's going to be a ton of stuff. And it really wasn't a, a huge, huge deal. Then he becomes a free agent. And obviously it's in a pandemic and he signs a one year, $8 million deal with the Sabres. And I, I and you, I'm sure everybody is like, Bruins, what are you doing? (laughs) One year and $8 million to play for the freaking Sabres? Top that. Everybody should be trying to top it, but they weren't. Then he gets moved at this deadline, and Elliot Friedman comes out right after, and he'd said said since that um, Hall had a lot to do with it, with wanting to go to the Bruins and having the no move. But he was like, the interest in Taylor Hall just wasn't, as high as people thought it was going to be. Again, you can disagree with that, but 
every time he moves, we all say, why is everyone so stupid? Why is anyone giving up more for this guy? But it's happening. Teams don't like Taylor Hall as much as we do. That's a valid point. And the other thing I think is, uh, and Sweeney mentioned this in his post deadline, uh, media availability when he, when he was asked about inking Hall long term. Now that he's here in Boston, Hall wants to be in Boston. He wanted to be long term, uh, over the summer. And Sweeney was like, yeah, you know, we'll see, you know, results need to come. We need to, we need to see results out of him. And it's funny because you can tell that it wasn't Hall who didn't, who, who didn't want to come here. It was the Bruins who just didn't want Hall at the time. Yeah. They didn't want to ink him long term. And I think that's a very interesting dynamic in the sense that he wanted to come here and they were just like, no, well, we're going to see what we got here. You know, we're going to play the kids. Uh, and, and you can tell they did not think very highly of Taylor Hall as he maybe thought highly of them. They're, they're obsessed with culture, man. That's always something yes. to watch with, with them where there, I'm sure there are people there that will still defend the David Backus signing. You have to, you have to strap a first round pick to him and ship him to the moon. God bless David Backus, but I know, as I say, sucks seeing him kind of decline. Right. Does, but you're right. I mean, he was, yeah, throughout his career, he was one of my favorite players, but that's a terrible, terrible signing. But I'm sure that there are people in that organization that will tell you, look what he, the, we were in a bumpy situation. We're transitioning from one regime to the next and you want character guys. And he was around for a lot of these young guys coming up and he's a, he's a character that you want in there. They care so freaking much about character, which is something that we scoff at a lot of the time. I mean, it, go, it goes to the Taylor Hall thing, like where maybe maybe teams don't think that, I mean, that there's, Felger has said that an NHL player told him he's the worst teammate he's ever had. And you've heard things, even going back to his days in Edmonton, where he was a coach killer. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. But that's the type of thing that for a team like the Bruins that are so obsessed with character that would give them pause. You know, you mentioned the the culture aspect of it, yet they didn't re-sign Tory Krug. Exactly. They can attempt to do that. And that's yeah. an interesting one because that is a culture guy. That was a future captain or assistant. Totally. Captain. Um, totally. and they didn't re-sign him. Um, and I get, by the way, I get why they're not signing Hall long term yet. Um, A, you don't want to have to protect him for the expansion draft. Um, but B, you also want to see if he fits in and kudos. But again, it is interesting that with the culture stuff, you didn't keep Krug. You didn't keep Chara um, at the beginning of the year. So a lot of I'm interesting I'm going to throw stuff. this in real quick. Do you think that – I mean, I think that he just wants to be wanted. But if you're Taylor Hall, and maybe this shows how much stocks have maybe fallen on Taylor Hall. But if you're Taylor Hall and you're coming up at the end of the year, we don't know what's going to happen with David Krejci. Mm-hmm. He's up. And I guess it's primarily the Krejci thing. You don't know who your center is going to be. Do you want to be in Boston long-term? Like, is there just something about Boston? And maybe it's chasing a feeling you had in 2010 where you really wanted to be the face of that franchise or you really want to go there, whatever it may be. If you're Taylor Hall, why would you be super excited about staying with a team where you don't know who your center is, even if it's, even if you, you say you sign a four or five year deal, Krejci's not going to be there for the whole time. Like, are you, is it Krejci you want to play with? Is there, are you high on Jack Sudnika? Are you excited about potentially playing with Charlie Coyle? So that kind of weirds me out. And do the, would the Bruins want to lock into a left wing long-term? Obviously they've struggled with finding wings over the years, but do they want to lock into, depending on how much money he costs that, when they don't know who their second line center is going to be. 
This is why I always supported Krug going elsewhere because I knew that if he signed, let's say six, seven, eight years here and you want to win that cup, there's a chance you miss that window. At least that we can see again, we didn't foresee this cup window opening. Uh, we thought that, you know, 2015, 16, that time frame, you need a bigger rebuild. Um, and obviously that rebuild was quick on the fly, you know, aided by Pasternak and McAvoy and, uh, Rask kind of having a little bit of a resurgence. Um, but you look and you think eight years down the line, is this really going to be a, a contender still? Like there's going to be turnover. You know, you're going to see the, the ends of Krejci soon. You already saw it with Chara. You see it with, you'll see it with Bergeron. Marshan's around for a while, Pasternak's around for a while, but again, down the middle. What are you going to have? So I agree with you. I don't know, again, unless they can say, hey, we're going to make a real, you know, run for Alexander Barkov, or we're going to make a run for a free agent center. We're going to, you know, we think Beecher's the guy. or Because Sadika, again, has struggled to make the lineup this year. Right. Like, I don't know if you're really high on playing with Jack Sadnika, but. Is Barkov, I mean, who, US, is Barkov uh, UFA? Uh, I believe he is soon. I think, unless he signed a deal that I missed, I believe he's got, uh, he's going to be a UFA at some point. Uh, someone because people always mention him as someone who. I mean, they who, they went so hard after. He'll be a UFA. He'll be, he'll be a UFA uh, after twenty twenty one twenty two. So he'll be a UFA after next season. Uh, Interesting. So that that's a guy who fits defensive forward. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely would be a fit here. But again, um, who knows? Again, that's so far down the line. I do want to get to the goaltending though, because that's always a fun topic with you. Um, Why? Well, because <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, is it crazy? Is it crazy? There's this, this little part of me. There's this little part of me. Again, I'm a big Rask guy. I'm not saying I'm not. I've always been a Rask guy. But there's a little part of me that's like, huh. Jeremy Swayman's got that thing about him where you could see him getting hot, taking a team to the cup. The Hamburglar. Jordan yeah. Bennington on ice vibes, not off ice. But yeah. he's got that young guy getting hot, makes a ton of saves. He's already, uh, I believe Connor Ryan tweeted this out. Who's usually on? Um, I gave him a break this week. Connor um, Ryan's the best man. I don't know is. where that dude came from, but he's awesome. <laughs> he's, no, he's, he's the greatest. Um, he tweeted, I have to go find this. He tweeted yesterday. That was not an insulting. Uh, I don't know where that dude came from. I meant what? No, like, we're going we're to keep it as an insult. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, we mean that in the best way. I don't possible. know what that like, guy's problem is, but he's hey, awesome. What's his deal? <laughs> Anyways, Connors uh, tweeted, among the 70 goalies in the NHL that have logged at least 350 minutes of ice time this season, Swayman ranks first with a 915 save percentage on high danger shots. Ooh, That's pretty good. That is a very good stat. Now, DJ, is it crazy to sit here and for someone to want Jeremy Swayman as the goalie in the playoffs? It depends. You have to validate a lot. You have to check a lot of um, things. I, I'm bad at words. Along the way, like it's not if, if a person doesn't like Tuka Rask, it's not crazy for them to want Swayman to be the guy. Now we can go and then evaluate. Is it crazy to not like Tuka Rask? And I, I think that there is certainly reason to not like Tuka Rask, to not trust Tuka Rask. But with it, often there they miss the understanding of but he's really good. Like, yes, you like, get that he's, he's really good. Right. <laughs> and like, you get that chances are he's going to be better than Jeremy Swayman, but it happens all the time. Like succession plans happen. And right now the Bruins might have a, a very good one. If Rask sticks around another year or two, but 
you should like Swayman. You should be excited about Swayman. And if Swayman starts to show you signs of that run, then hell yeah, you should want to go on a run with Swayman. I think Rask should have every chance to be the guy first, though, because he has, no one wants to hear this, he has had two unbelievable playoff runs. He's had two runs that you hope Swayman can give you. You know, like that that dream run where he's the best goalie in the playoffs and he carries you at points. That's what you want out of the young goalie where like, oh my God, what's this guy? Oh, you, you just can't beat this guy. That was Tuka Rask against the Blue Jackets. Okay. That was Tuka Rask against the Penguins in 2013. Oh, the Penguins especially. That was yeah. absurd. Two goals in, in four games, one of which went to overtime. That's the most insane thing in the world. So if you want, if, if you want a miracle run out of Swayman, you have to acknowledge you're talking about something that you've already seen Tukarask do twice. Yes. And that's also a huge gamble, by the way. You don't know that Swayman can make that run, but there's that part of, of you. There's that, there's that part that's, that makes you think maybe that could be possible. Uh, but yeah. the re- so the, one of the big reasons I think that people are high on Sway or, you know, some people want Swayman over Rask. Is due to Rask's just health this year. I mean, he's had injury issues. The back, again, the the lower body, the back thing. That's yeah. not something that just gets cured. You know, that doesn't just snap your fingers. It's not like Jeremy Lowe's on with his arm, where it's like, okay, we'll just get surgery, you'll be fixed. Obviously, it didn't fix him as well as people had hoped. But um, oh no, this I, is all an elaborate. Uh, this is all an elaborate um, Seattle Kraken thing. Oh I think yes. that they're like, you know what? This is probably the, around the time that Kraken's really going to finalize their list really going to look around we want the jeremy lozon film to be dreadful so yes. I'm like once they realize once they once it gets to a point where seattle safely won't jeremy won't, won't want jeremy lozon they'll be like okay we're going to stash you on the third pairing you can play okay now for the rest of the season and don't do anything so good that it'll change anyone's mind but we're trying to get you to a point where people don't like you that's my that's my fanboy theory. Well, it's like when Jeff Israel tweets uh, that John Sweeney is sending John Moore highlights to Seattle. Like, hey, you should you should really check this guy out. This guy's good. This John Moore guy. He's he's this is your kind of guy. You're gonna love oh, this yeah. defenseman. Great puck mover. Um, but I, I do think that with with Swayman and Net, you know, you but it, but again, it, it comes down to Rask's health. You know, for the last month and a half now, Rask seems to be healthy. But for the last month and a half, Rask missed all that time. Um, and even again, there was a moment in a recent game, I forget who it was against, but they dumped the puck in and Rask goes to get it and he knocks it down off the glass behind the net and comes back and he's holding his back. And it's like, I think there is a concern there that that's going to continue and that's going to pop up. Um, and that's why you're going to see more Swayman. And I think by the way, it is absolutely valid to want Swayman to be the backup. I don't think that that is like, Oh God. Like, Definitely. You, like, I think one thing, if, if someone said, who do you want in a playoff series, Swayman or Halak, it would be Swayman because you know what Halak is going to give you. You know, Halak is going to be a, percent. a mediocre goal. He makes some really big saves, but he's going to let in some real soft ones. Um, and I like Halak. I'm not against Halak. I'm just saying, like, I think there's so much more upside with Swayman. And that's why I think ultimately this offseason, I would expect them to let Halak walk and to just have Swayman as the backup for next year and hopefully get Rask on a one or two year deal. Um, do you think that's what they do? I, that's what I would want to do. And, and you're right, man. Like I, I, you can't trust the back thing with Tuka Rask. So you should have those guys as the guys. Those should yes. be the, that's the one too. And 
going forward, absolutely. Ideally, I, I've talked about this with a few people last, I don't know, since Swayman became a thing. Ideally, you sign Rask for two years at between four and a half and five million dollars a year. And then you are spending basically nothing on your goaltending. Like that is the freaking dream for a couple of years. And I, I have to, yeah, Swayman won't be up for a couple of years. You'll, you're spending six million dollars total on a really good tandem. And if it, it can be a 50 50 split, if you want, you want to go do the old school flyers, Ron Hextall, Garth snow thing. You want to do the Manny Fernandez, Tim Thomas thing. Yeah. You can do that <laughs> knowing that it's that cheap and you don't want it to get back to your TV analogy. There is some, if you have two goalies, you don't have one sort of thing, but hell split, have them split time essentially in the regular season. And then if you want to say, okay, Rask's the, the better playoff goalie, obviously historically, then you go with Rask in the playoffs. Or if it's time at, at the end of next year or at the end of two years from now to say, okay, Swayman's the guy that we're going to ride, then you can do that. The cost of Rask won't be so prohibitive that you'll feel bad that, oh, no, we're spending $5 million on a backup. Like, no, think of it as you're spending $6 million on a tandem. Yes. And that, by the way, that's the Bruins have done the past few years with Halak. Like that's been a tandem at most points. So it has worked. But you an expensive the- one. This would be so much cheaper. It would yes. allow you to yes. re-up whoever you want, whether it's if Krejci comes back for cheap or if you're re-signing Hall. I don't know. Mike Riley's becoming an interesting thing. I have no idea how much he's going to cost, but it's going to be more than a million and a half. So that's true. You're going to have some extra money to throw around if you go from spending, what is it, almost $10 million a year? I, I, in that, I think it is it six is million dollars. That's yeah. that's a game changer. You save money right there. Uh, save money. Um, but yeah, this has been fun. We kind of we had a lot to catch up on in, in this episode. Oh um, yeah, this was more us kind of catching up on Bruins than like being topical. But we still were pretty topical. So yeah, what's wrong with that? That was good for um, sure. Before I let you go, is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh, brunch podcast. Uh, you can if, if Pete. And I probably shove it in people's faces enough, but in case we haven't, uh, you can just search brunch on any of the podcast things. If, uh, you want to subscribe to our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash listen to brunch. We're about 25 followers away from, or followers, patrons away from doing Affleck week, which I think is when we just talk about Ben Affleck for a week. <laughs> Don't really totally know why we're doing that, but it's just something that we think would be funny. So. Uh, do that. Check out, watch everything on NBC Sports Boston because they're the best. And uh, yeah, that's it, man. I love it. Do all those things. For CLS yeah. Media, I'm F. Marinovsky. That's DJ Bean. You Bruce B listeners have an amazing rest of your week. Mm-hmm.